Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. But I want to share with you tonight, first of all, that church membership is God's will. And over the, over the years, I've had these statements that I have made. You know, when I've addressed the subject of church membership, I thought I'd just share with you some of those statements that I have made. One of them is this. It is clear from the New Testament that it is God's will for every Christian to be active and involved in the life of a local church. If you take all of the teaching of the New Testament together and you look at what the New Testament says about a Christian's relationship to the local church. Now, when we're saved, we're a part of the universal church. You know, there's the universal church and then there's the local church. The universal church is comprised of all true saved, truly saved people, all truly saved Christians are part of the universal church. We are part of the, 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 the Catholic church, little c, not big c, but little c. Catholic means, you know, worldwide. We're, we're, when, we, when we're saved, we become a part of that, that worldwide church of Christ, that universal church of Christ. But also the New Testament teaches that as part of that worldwide church, that universal church, we are to be a part of a local church, a local congregation. All of the New Testament is written to local churches. The book of Romans was written to the local church at Rome. The, the book of Ephesus was written to the local church at Ephesus. The book of Galatians was written to several churches in the northern part of the province of Galatia. First Timothy was written to Timothy, who was kind of like the associational missionary for the churches in Ephesus. The book of Revelation was written to the seven churches of Asia. And so the New Testament was written in the great part to churches. And so it is clear from what the New Testament teaches that when a person gives their life to Christ, it is God's will for every Christian to be active and involved in the life of a local church. Here's another statement. Among the first things a person should do after they are saved, you know, when a person gives their life to Christ, when they're born again, when they're saved, one of the first things they should do is to publicly confess their faith in Christ to the church. You know, you get saved, you go tell your family, I've given my life to Christ. You go tell your friends, I've given my life to Christ. You, you begin to tell people that you've given your life to Christ. And one of the first things that a new Christian should do is to confess to the church, to a local church, to a local church family. I have given my life to Christ. Jesus said we are to confess him before men. We're to confess him before the world and we're to confess him before the church. And so one of the first things a new Christian is to do is to confess Christ to the local church, join a local congregation, be baptized and become active and involved in the life of a local church. Now, how do you decide what church to belong to? Well, if somebody asked me today, what church should I belong to? I would tell them that's easy. You should be a part of Mercedes Baptist Church. 
hello. You know, that's what I would tell them. But obviously, you know, that, that, that's, you, 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 you want God's guidance and God's direction to be a part of the church that God wants you to be a part of. Now, when I was growing up, you know, everybody in our community who were Southern Baptists were a part of the Antioch Baptist Church and the Houston Association because that was the community church. It used to be that you were a part of the community church, the church that was closest to you of your denomination or of your group. These days, people will drive a long way to go to church. They don't necessarily go to their, their local community church, the church that is closest to them. And that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You, you seek God's will and guidance and direction for the church that he would have you to be a part of. And, you know, you trust the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. But it, it is God's will for every Christian to be active and involved in the life of a local church. Among, among the first things a person should do after they're saved is to publicly confess that they have given their life to Christ in a church, to be baptized as we are commanded in the Bible to do, and then to become active and involved in the life of a local church. Here's the third statement. There is no such thing in the Bible as Lone Ranger Christianity. That is, that people say, well, I don't need the church. I'll just live the Christian life on my own. I, I don't need the church. You know, I, 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 can, I can live the Christian life fine without the church. And the answer to that is, no, you can't. Because there's no such thing in the Bible as Lone Ranger Christianity, churchless Christianity. The Christian life is intended to be lived in fellowship with other Christians. And, and two, you know, when we're born again, we're born again with a love for fellow Christians. In other words, you know, there are certain things that God does in your life when you're saved. He changes your spiritual DNA. He changes your heart, your desires, your wants. A person gets saved, they can go from being a person who didn't give a flip about being in church to wanting to be a part of a church because they want to be around other Christians. That's the work of God in their heart. I never will forget. When I was a kid, I was riding in our community with a guy by the name of Randy Rogers. Randy Rogers was, was a good friend of mine. He was one of my friends growing up. Uh, you know, he, he, we were all a farming community, so we did a lot of stuff together, me and Randy Rogers. We did a lot of stuff together. And you know, Sunday afternoon, the kid, us guys in the church, we'd get together Sunday afternoon after church, and we'd play basketball, community basketball or football, whatever was sport was in season, we would play. And he, he was just one of my good friends. And I remember on one occasion when he and I were, were in his vehicle, we were driving, and we drove by Antioch Baptist Church, the church I was, uh, grew up in. And he made this statement. He said, I want you to know, when I get grown, I ain't going to church. I looked at him and said, I ain't either. <laughs> well, today he's a, he's a deacon at First Baptist Church in Court Hill, and I'm a pastor. <laughs> so you see how God, how God gets, you know, his will and his way in your life. There, there's, there, there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. The Christian life as described in the Bible, is intended to be lived in fellowship with other Christians.
And, and, uh, and God, when you give your life to Christ, He'll give you an innate love and desire to be a part of, of the fellowship of believers in Christ. In fact, 1 John says one of the distinguishing marks of a person who's been born again is the love for fellow Christians and the desire to be a part of a fellowship of fellow Christians. So in the early church, coming to Christ was coming to the church. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved when Peter preached that sermon. They baptized all 3,000 and then all 3,000 became a part of the church in Jerusalem. And so the idea of experiencing salvation without belonging to a local church is foreign to the New Testament. So in the book of Acts, when individuals repented and believed in Christ, they were baptized and they were added to the church. Now, when you're saved, you're, you're, you're part of that universal church, that you're part of that, that you know, worldwide church, that worldwide fellowship of believers, but you're to identify with a local congregation of churches. And that's what people, converts, people who came to Christ in the New Testament did. For instance, Acts 2.41. Then those who gladly received his word, that is Peter's preaching, were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. Added to who? Added to the 12 disciples or the 120 who were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. In other words, they were added to the church. Now, somebody counted those 3,000. They didn't just guess. Well, I think that's 3,000 people who got saved. No, somebody counted them. And somebody made a roll of them. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Added to the church daily. So it is God's will for when a person comes to give their life to Christ, it is God's will for that person to publicly confess Christ we tell our parents, we tell our family, we tell our friends, we tell the world, we tell the church. And then we become a part of a local church family. And then we begin the process of discipleship. We become the process of, of understanding what the church is. So what is the purpose of the church? Well, the purpose of the church is to teach and preach biblical truth and doctrine. That's what the early church did in Jerusalem, the apostles' doctrine. The purpose of the church is to preach and teach biblical truth, biblical doctrine. The church is a place of fellowship where Christians can come together, love one another, and pray for one another, and serve one another. Uh, the church is a place where Christians can come together to worship the Lord to exercise their spiritual gift, to pray with one another. The church is a place where Christians come together to fulfill the great commission. That is to preach the gospel to the lost. We do that in two ways. We do that through evangelism and through missions. Now evangelism is what we can do in our community to share Christ. Evangelism is what you do locally. Missions is what you do globally. 
And so we're to be, as a church, involved in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ through evangelism, that is, through our local efforts and our community to share Christ, what we personally can be involved in. But we're also to be involved in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ globally, and that is through our missions. Missions is is we support those who go where we can't go. Evangelism is us going in our community. Missions is we support those who go where we can't go. Now, those two things are very important in the life of the local church because we're under commission. The Lord has given us a charge. He's given us a commission, a command to preach the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and we're to go to the ends of the earth. Well, we personally can't go to the ends of the earth, but we can support those who do. And we do that through missions. We do that through praying for our missionaries. We do that through giving to support their efforts and to provide for them the resources they need to to carry the gospel to the world. The world needs Jesus. In other words, we're to share the good news of Jesus Christ starting at our front doorstep to the ends of the earth. And that's what the church is to do. So how are you a good church member? Let me share with you quickly some ways that you can be a good church member. You know, you want to be known as a good church member, unless you don't. <laughs> you know, some people today, they don't care. But what, 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 is, what is a good church member according to the Bible? Well, first of all, to be a good ch- church member, we are to attend church. How radical is that? Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's speaking of a church coming together, assembling together to carry out the function of the church, to worship, to praise, to fellowship, to work together. To, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the matter of some. In other words, to be a good church member, you need to attend church. Okay? You remember, you remember in the days when we had the little envelopes and you had the 10 points and we used to give pins to those who never missed Sunday school? You remember that? Old school church stuff, good stuff. You know, to be a good church member, you need to attend church. Now, you know, these days, it's amazing. I don't think I'm not comfortable in going to church. They say that as they're on their way to Walmart. Uh, I'm not comfortable in going to church. They say that as long as they're on the way to the ball game. Yeah, yeah. Listen, we're to attend church. I like coming to church. Do y'all like coming to church? I like coming to church. I love coming to church. I, lo- I love being with God's people. I love church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. I, I, Sunday night church was so fun, much fun to me because people were more relaxed. We didn't pay that much attention to the time. <laughs> you know, Sunday morning, we got to get out by 12. If we don't get out by 12, the world's going to come to an end. Of course, you you got the wrong preacher if you need that. I'm sorry. I'm a 45-minute preacher stuck in a 30-minute world. I know. But but on Sunday night, man, you can just... 
Boy, you can just go, you know, and have a good time. Maybe we'll get back to that. I hope so. But we need to attend church to be a good church member. And I know there's sometimes when you can't come. You know, and I know there's sometimes when you, as the old preachers used to say, when you're providentially hindered. <laughs> When's the last time you heard that? And you're not, and, but, you know, we need to, uh, to, be a, to, to attend church. Um, I like it when a church full is full. Amen. I like that. I like that. All right. So how are you a good church member? You attend church. Second of all, you pray for your church. Have you ever wondered how to pray for your church? Well, we have the answer in Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. Listen to what Paul said. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he says to the church at Philippi, I'm praying for you. Well, what was Paul praying? He wrote down his prayer that he was praying for this church. This is my prayer, he said, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here's what Paul prayed for the church at, at Philippi. He said, I want your love to abound and overflow for one another, for the lost and for God. It's the picture of a, of a river flooding. That your love may abound more and more. That's the picture of a river that floods and overflows. And Paul said, here's what I'm praying for your church. That your love will overbound and overflow. That you'd love one another and love God and love the lost in a greater way. Then he prayed that they would have knowledge and insight to know the will of God and how to do it. He prayed that they would be pure and blameless that they would carry out the ministry that God would have, have, has given them in a way that God approves, that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness, the same word that means abound. In other words, Paul prayed for this church. He said, I pray as you overflow with love that you will overflow with righteousness, good works, service to others. So that's how, that's how Paul prayed for the church of Philippi. That's a pretty good thing to pray for our church. Oh God, may we at Mercedes Baptist Church, may we be ever overflowing with love. What's wrong with that? Love for one another, love for God, love for the lost. May we have knowledge and insight so that Lord, we can know what you want us to do and how to do it. May we be pure and blameless. May we carry out what we do in a way that you approve, in a way that honors you. May we be filled. May we over, be, overflow with the fruit of righteousness, overflow in good works and service that brings you honor and glory. That's a good, good way to pray for your church. How to be a good church member? We're to pray for the pastor, for spiritual leaders of our church. In the book of Ephesus, Paul asked the church at Ephesus to pray for him. Listen to what he said. Ephesians 6, verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me, Paul said. He asked this church to pray for him. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Here's what Paul asked the church at Ephesus to pray. They prayed that he would, he asked them to pray that he would be fearless. That is, 
that he would have the courage when he stood before people to proclaim the gospel without compromise, whether it was in private, whether it was in public, that he would have the courage to preach the truth. That's a good thing to pray for your pastor. Pray that he would have the courage to preach the truth because a lot of people don't want to hear the truth these days. You know, you get canceled in this culture now if you say things you ain't supposed to say. They'll counsel you. <laughs> you know? Sometimes preachers get canceled. They preach stuff that are, is true, but people really, they don't want to hear it. Pray that your pastor would have courage, that he would be fearless. Paul said that twice. Now, he was standing before kings and magistrates and judges, and his life was on the line. And so he said, pray for me that I would open my mouth, speak boldly as I ought to speak. Good thing to pray for your pastor. He said, pray for me that words may be given to me. In other words, he said, pray for me that I would preach the Bible, that I would be led by the Holy Spirit of God. That it wouldn't just be me speaking, but it would be God enlightening me in the word so that what I speak is what he would have me to speak. He said, help me to preach in, in such a way to make known the mystery of the gospel. You know what I say? He said, pray for me that I can help make the gospel, the word of God, plain and understandable. Amen. That's what I want to do. I just, I want to make it plain and understandable so that anybody can understand it. And he said, pray that I would be an ambassador that he would conduct himself with dignity. You know, an ambassador is somebody who represents a nation. Paul said, I am an ambassador, I represent God. And he said, pray for me that whatever setting I am in, whether, whatever circumstance I'm in, that I will conduct myself with dignity as an ambassador for Christ. So we should pray for our pastor and our spiritual leaders and our deacons and, and those who are in spiritual leadership. Another way we can be good church members is to work in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, we are to be zealous for spiritual gifts that we can use to edify the church. We are to redeem the time, the Bible says. Look for opportunities to serve in the church, to do stuff you like. And sometimes do stuff that you're not sure if you like it or not. You know? You might hear the preacher say sometimes, we need, we need a teacher for the seven and eight-year-olds. And you're sitting there thinking, I wouldn't teach seven and eight-year-olds if my life depended on it. But then God comes to you and says, I think you'd do good with seven and eight-year-olds. <laughs> hey, go for it. There's a need. And I can feel it. So why not go for it? Look for opportunities to serve the Lord in the church. God has gifted you with abilities and gifts that are to be used to edify, to build up the church. To be a good church member, we need to work in the church. To be a good church member, we need to give our tithes and offerings to the church. Uh, I heard a black preacher say one time, he said, there's three books that run the church. It takes three books to run the church. The Bible book, the hymn book, and your pocketbook. <laughs> now, is that right or wrong? 
That's true, ain't it? Takes three books to run the church. Bible book, the hymn book, and your pocketbook. That's true. So we are we're, we should give our tithes and our offerings. Now, if you want to, you know, you, you want to help some other ministry, you give your tithes and offerings. Here's what I always felt like the Bible teaches. You give your tithes to the church. You know, what you give tithes to your church, that's the storehouse. And then if you want to help another ministry, you give above and beyond your tithe to help somebody else. And so give your tithes to the church. To be a good church member, we need to work for the unity of the church. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, the president of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you are called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're to work for the unity of the church. You know, a church can't function if there's division. It just can't. And churches get divided over the stupidest things. I mean, just stupid. I was in a church one time. We spent half a million dollars building a building. Half a million dollars building a building. And I worked in that thing. We did a lot of the work ourselves. I worked in that thing. And we were great in unity. We'd get together and we'd need to decide this or decide that. We got together in unity, got, got into the church, had our dedication. And then in a, in a church business meeting, we had a big blow up about where to put the attendance boards. Should we put them up? front where they were in the old church and should we put them back there in the foyer and I was not particularly I was having I was having one of those days <laughs> and so in the business meeting I heard I heard about all I could take and I got up and I said ladies and gentlemen I make a motion that we throw those stupid attendance boards in the creek down yonder <laughs> oh well <laughs> I didn't please nobody you know, churches divide over the stupidest things. And I, I tell you, I've been a pastor now for 40 whatever years, whatever it is. And I, I've been in the ministry long enough, and I, I've reached 68 years old. Miss Harris says I'm going to be 69 in August. I think that's disinformation. I think that's fake news. <laughs> but I... I, 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 I I just got, I got to be honest with you, I, I've had all I can take of church politics and church fussing and church fighting. Bro, Chris ain't doing it no more. I am not doing it one, no more. I ain't fighting with nobody. I ain't fussing with nobody. We're going to work together. We're going to love the Lord. We're going to do the best we can for Jesus and for the church. Amen. And if they want to be, you know, this side or the other, and get all hop up about this side or the other, I, I'm just not doing it. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. I've had all I can take of it. And you say, well, okay. <laughs> but I'm just being honest with you. I I've had all I can take. I've sat in deacons meetings where we had an hour-long discussion on how to replace the toilet in a bathroom. And I just, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Listen, we're in the last days. People need the Lord. We need to major on the major. 
And that's what we're going to do as a church. And if you don't agree with me and things, that's all right. I love you anyway. You can be wrong. I don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. But we need to work for we, we need to work for the unity of our church. And and we are in the last days. And we need to focus on the important things. And listen, I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you. I don't care who you are. I don't I just I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna care about you. Messiah is gonna love you and gonna care about you. And that's just the way we are. You know, that's just how we are. We're not I'm in the fourth quarter probably of my ministry in my life. And, I'll, you know, you get to this point, you want to do, you want to major on the majors, don't you? And, and so that's, that work, let's love one another and work for the unity. That's a good church member who wants to work for the unity of the church. But we are to protect our church. To be a good church, church member, you work for the unity, but also, you know, you got to protect your church from false teachers and false doctrines. You got to protect your church from that, and you got to protect your church from from wayward church members who sometimes do stuff that will ruin the witness and the testimony and the unity of your church. We got to be protectors too. To be a good church member, you got to be a protector. Protect your church from from false teachers. I've had to do this in my ministry. Lord have mercy. I can tell you some more stories. Maybe one day today that I will. I've had, I've had to, oh man, I've had, I've had to deal with threats to the witness of it. See, the most important thing we have as individual Christians and as a church is our witness and testimony. Because if you ruin and lose your witness and testimony, you're not worth two cents to the kingdom of God. So if you do something stupid, that will taint your witness and your testimony before the world. What good are you? You are that salt that has lost its savor and is fit for nothing but to be thrown out and walked upon by men. Now you can regain it, but you can't always regain it totally. So we have to protect our witness and our testimony. My most important thing that I have as a pastor is my witness and testimony. Brother Chris can do something stupid to ruin his witness and testimony. It's like, I'm a golfer. It's like playing 17 holes of golf and never cheating. Now, you can move the ball. You know, according to hall rules, you can move the ball when you need to move the ball to hit the stupid thing. But yeah, you can move it. You play 17, you know, holes just... Always obeying the rules, but on the 18th hole, you cheat. You've ruined the round. And who's going to remember the 17 holes when you didn't cheat? They'll always remember what? The one hole you did cheat on. And see, I want to protect my ministry. I want to protect my witness. I want to protect my testimony. And I want to protect that of my church, too. And so there comes... You know, there comes the time when you have to sit down with the church member and says, I hear this is going on in your life. You tell me whether it's true or not. I've had to do this. This stuff's going on. Is this true? And you better tell me the truth. <laughs> and they told me the truth. So I had to take them before the church. 
Now, we loved them and we brought them back. See, that's the thing. You love them and you bring them back. But you let the world know that we don't stand for this and this is not who we are. Amen? Amen. And that this is a brother that's gone astray, but we're going we we're gonna to love them and we're going to restore them. And that's what we did, see. That's what we did. We can kick them to the curb. It's, it's like, you know, when your daddy whipped you, boom, he whipped you, and an hour later he was playing with you, right? You know, or he, it's like Martin Luther said about his daddy. He said, my daddy would whip me, but it always afterwards he'd give me an apple. <laughs> so, you know, you, sometimes you have to deal with the stuff. And it's hard. And you've got to do it. But, but then you remember, our job is to restore. Right? That's what you do. So, uh, be a good church member. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good pastor. It is what it is. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good preacher. I want to be a good daddy, a good husband, a good grandfather. Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall.